Welcome to Gateway Podcasts. We hope you enjoy the following recording from Gateway Church Doncaster in the United Kingdom. For more podcasts and information about Gateway Church, please visit our website, gatewaychurchdoncaster.org.uk. Thank you for listening. As I alluded to last week, over the next few months, we're going to be looking at where that life comes from. We're going to be looking at the next of those P's that we started looking at a year ago now, that came out of Isaiah chapter 6, and this one is power. Because the gospel should be bringing power to our lives. And as Isaiah had that encounter that morning with the Lord, he found himself to be empowered. And that new vitality in his life was not something that was short-lived. It was something that propelled him through the next 30 or more years of ministry. Now Sue brought something this morning and shared with us. A picture of a table with a vase on it. And the vase didn't have any water or anything in it. And she felt that God was just saying he didn't want empty vessels. Now that's an interesting picture. It's an interesting picture because there's something similar in scripture. It talks about us being earthen vessels. And in one sense, we are empty earthen vessels. Because the Bible teaches us that in our sinful state, we are dead. There's no life left in us. But God wants us as full vessels. And that's what we're going to be talking about this morning. Because the same thing that happened to Isaiah when he went into the temple that morning, when he had that face-to-face encounter with a vision of the Lord, happened in the early church as well. After Jesus had ascended, the early church was left as this small group of probably quite bewildered believers. But Jesus had told them to do something. He said, quite simply, wait. So that's what they did. The event is described in Acts chapter 2. It says, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly, there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues as if a fire appeared to them, and rested upon each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. 
as we start in our study of the person and the work of the Holy Spirit, there can't be any better place to start than this. Up until this time, the Spirit of God had only come upon specific people for specific periods. But the prophets had foreseen something different. They had foreseen a time when the Holy Spirit would anoint all believers. This is what Joel wrote. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. Even on male and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit. I will show wonders in the heavens and on the earth, blood and fire and columns of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's from Joel chapter 2. And what Joel was seeing here, although he could have in no way know that he was seeing something that comes from the day and the age that we're living in. That's what he was seeing. The era that started at Pentecost. When God's Spirit was poured out on all believers. Just look for a moment at what he was promising. And he was promising these things for men and for women alike. For the old and for the young. Even for servants is what he goes on to say. And this is what he was promising. He was promising prophecy. Hearing God's voice and becoming privy to some of his thoughts and ideas. He was promising dreams. Seeing something of our destiny and our future and being given, being given aspiration. He was promising wonders. Things that would make us marvel. And he was also promising salvation. Not based on some observance of the law, but for the first time available for anyone who calls on the Lord's name. Now this was a really big and distinct change in the interaction between God's Holy Spirit and mankind. So what we're going to do this morning is look at the rest of this passage. See what we can learn from it. So Acts chapter 2, starting at verse 1. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. This was the day of Pentecost. This was the second Jewish harvest festival of the year. And it was called Pentecost because it came 50 days after the Passover celebrations. Now, Acts 1 tells us 
that after his resurrection, Jesus spent 40 days with his disciples. So on the basis that he died just around the time of the Passover, he was in the grave for three days, then spent 40 days with his disciples before he ascended. At this point in time, the disciples have had something around a week where they've been waiting. This is something like a few days after they have seen Jesus raised in glory up to the heavens. And as we read it, what we see is that the disciples were all together. And at this point, they numbered something in the region of 120. So they may well have been in a room about this size. But they had gathered together as they'd been instructed by Jesus to wait. In Acts 1, what Jesus had told them was, he said, Do not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And here they were. Gathered, waiting. We don't know what they were doing other than that. I'm sure they were talking. They may have been wondering what was going to be happening. But as we will see, this event had a significance for each of those early disciples individually. But it also was a corporate event. It was something that had an effect on them together. Something that happened as they just met and waited. And we shouldn't be surprised about that. Because the psalm tells us that God commands blessing when brothers live together in unity. And then in verse 2 it says, And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. They weren't expecting it. It came suddenly. There was no warning. Suddenly is a constant theme throughout Scripture. And it's often applied to the interaction between God and man. In fact, if you've got time, it makes an interesting study to look at the word suddenly and pull out the ones where it's to do with God and men. If you like, this is what insurers would call an act of God. It came out of the blue. It couldn't have been foreseen. Suddenly... There was from heaven a sound like a, mush, a rushing wind. So it was unexpected. And the only description we have is that it was like a mighty rushing wind. And it's described as filling the entire house. I think it must have been quite loud. 
I'll tell you why. I think it must have been quite loud because a crowd started to gather outside. Because when, as we get later in the passage, they burst out of the house, there's a lot of people stood around. So many so that 3,000 are saved. So this noise was not a quiet noise. It was something loud. It was gale force. It attracted a bit of a stir. And a crowd started to gather. This wind, the very breath of God, the same breath that had been breathed into creation thousands of years before, was filling the house. And then as we move on to verse 3, it says, And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. Fire in the Bible is often associated with purification. And these tongues of fire resting on each one of the disciples shows just one of the works of the Holy Spirit in us. To bring purification to our lives. And notice, this was happening individually to them. Yes, they were all together, but these tongues of fire rested on each one of them. And it began a personal work in their lives. And it goes on in verse 4 to say, And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So all these disciples were filled. They were filled with the Holy Spirit, and as that happened, other things began to happen as well. Firstly, their tongues were loosened. They began to speak in other tongues. Now, this passage shows us that on that day, they seem to have spoken predominantly in the languages of other nations. Real languages. Ones that they had not previously understood or learnt. Because when they come out... Other people understand what they're saying. If we go on to verse 5, it says, Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at the sound, the multitude came together, and they were bewildered, because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. It goes on to list the nations that were there. It says, And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all those who are speaking Galileans? How is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and the residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and Proselytes, Cretans and Arabians. We hear them 
telling in our own languages the mighty works of God. So at Pentecost, it does seem as though tongues was predominantly a miraculous way of communicating with people from other language groups. But in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 1, Paul refers to tongues as speaking with the tongues of angels and men. And so clearly, that isn't always the case. But imagine the scene for a moment. Drawn by the noise and the commotion, firstly of the wind, but now of 120 disciples all speaking and shouting in different languages. It's not surprising that the crowd that had gathered was bewildered. And it says in verse 12, And they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? These disciples were not behaving in their customary manner. And that brought quite a reaction. In fact, one of the reactions we're told about in verse 13, because it says, Others mockingly said, They're filled with new wine. They're drunk. That's what the instant reaction was. That that uproar was caused by the fact they were drunk. They'd been having a knees up inside the room and it had all got out of hand. And in that, we see the second effect that the Spirit had on these disciples. They appeared to be drunk. And this isn't the only reference to the Spirit in this way. Paul commends us in Ephesians 5.18 Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. He's clearly comparing the action of getting drunk with alcohol with the effect of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And certainly, being filled with the Holy Spirit brings some striking similarities. And we see them here in this passage. It brings a loss of inhibition. It brings a greater self-confidence. The one thing it doesn't seem to bring, in my experience, is a hangover the following morning. But there's another benefit that the Holy Spirit brings. And we can see it demonstrated as we read on in verse 14. But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these men are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And he then goes on to quote that passage that we've already looked at. He carries on. Men of Israel, hear these words. 
Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, who you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. He then quotes from one of David's psalms. And he finishes by saying, Brothers, I may say to you with confidence about the patriarch David that he both died and was buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. Being therefore a prophet, and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on the throne, he foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of Christ. He was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God raised up, and of that we are all witnesses. Being therefore exalted at the right hand of God, and being received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. The result of the Holy Spirit in those 120 believers was suddenly a passion to talk about Jesus. To preach the gospel. And that passion was well received. Because I believe the Holy Spirit had already been at work in the crowd outside preparing their hearts and minds. Because what happened was when the people heard that message, conviction was brought to them. And in verse 37 it says, now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and to the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? So Peter goes on to explain. Repent and be baptised every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off. Everyone who the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words, he bore witness and he continued to exhort them, saying, save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptised and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. Can you imagine it? 120 believers... And in that one day, following that preaching, 3,000 were added. 
what we call revival these days. 3,000. Imagine the challenges of following up on that. Of bringing discipleship. It's 30 or so each to look after. It's quite a challenge. But such was their passion that they were added to the church. That wasn't the only result that day. That wasn't the only change that happened because of the Holy Spirit falling upon those believers at Pentecost. Towards the end of the chapter there's another passage and it's easy to separate it because it appears to be talking about something different. But I think what we're seeing when we look at this other passage is the wider outworking of the Holy Spirit's action in people's lives. In a lot of Bibles this paragraph is headed the fellowship of believers. And it starts in verse 42. And it says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, Attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favour with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. When you read that passage... The things that are described there are not things which are just common in a group of people who choose to meet together. These believers were hungry for the word of God. They wanted to spend time together in fellowship. They spent time remembering Jesus just as he'd commanded them. Wherever they went, signs and wonders continued to accompany them. There were extraordinary displays of selflessness. They were motivated to worship. Many of these were not Jews. They didn't feel the same legal requirement to worship as the Jews would have done going to the temple. Now something else was driving them. 
They were thankful for God's provision. And they continued to grow in numbers. Now, as a charismatic community of Christians, we should be expecting to see the same fruit amongst us that those early disciples did when they met together. And I think that means we need to spend time together waiting for the Holy Spirit. And because of that, I want us to continue to devote one of our monthly prayer meetings to doing that. Having a time where we wait on God. In the other one, we'll have an agenda that we pray through. Because it's right that we are strategic and focused in our praying together. But actually sometimes we need to just wait on God. I believe we should be regularly laying hands on each other and praying for a fresh infilling of God's Holy Spirit. The command in scripture is one of the present continuous. We are told to be being filled with the Holy Spirit. It's not a once in your life event. It's a daily need. We should be recognising and encouraging each other in the use of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And this needs to be both in our corporate and our personal lives. Paul makes some interesting comments on the use of the gifts in the corporate life and in your personal life. And in particular he says that personally, praying in tongues builds you up. We should be expectant of seeing healings and signs and wonders amongst us. And particularly as we step out in boldness and with the power of the Gospel and the Holy Spirit. Our worship should be heartfelt and spirit-filled. And we should be expectant of receiving prophecy and revelation from God as we bring our praise and our worship to Him. We should be becoming more aware of the needs of others and of the communities around us. And we should be thankful of God's provision to us, sharing generously from his abundant supply. And on that end, I forgot to mention this morning, we will be taking a special offering for Haiti. We don't have a church out there that we can funnel it directly through. But what we'll do is we'll look at giving that to probably World Vision. They've been working in that area for 34 years now. And so they have a long track record in that area of supporting the culture and, and, uh, and that out there.
and, and that will continue, not just in the short term, but in the long term as well. So if you do want to give to that, by all means give directly if you want to, but if you want to, feel free over the next couple of weeks, just mark anything for Haiti, and we will make sure that gets passed on. But also, we should be expectant of seeing growth. Because actually, we're in a kingdom business. And the kingdom, we're told, is growing. It's on the advance. I just, when I prepared this, had one thing on my heart for this morning. And that's simply this. If you're sat here this morning and you don't feel that you are walking in the fullness of the Holy Spirit's power, if you don't feel that you're seeing these things in your life, if you're not seeing the fruit that's described as coming from the inliving of the Holy Spirit in you, if you're not feeling his power and seeing it's outworking in your daily life, then let's pray for you this morning. Because I'd love to see a community like this. A community that's vibrant, that's bold, that's thankful, that's looking for the needs of others and speaking into it. One that's moving in the power of God, worshipping, Hungry for his word. It's the sort of place I want to be part of. I don't know about you. I want to see the kingdom advancing. Here, amongst us, and in the people that we're in the middle of. I want to see the church growing. I long for the day where in our worship there is so much contribution that we could be accused of being disorderly. No, we're British, aren't we? But I believe in the power of the Holy Spirit that could happen. It's great. We are seeing contributions. We see them week by week by week. And every week God speaks in to where we're going as a church. I find that terribly encouraging. But I don't think we're risking being disorderly yet. Do you? When a fight breaks out, because people are anxious to get their contribution in, that's when you're getting disorderly. When you have so many contributions that you can't pick out the theme, that you can't hear what God's saying through them, that's when you're becoming disorderly. We're a long way from that. I do, however, want to encourage those who bring things regularly. Thank you. Back to what I feel. If you're not walking in the power of the Holy Spirit this morning, let's pray for you.
We hope you enjoyed this podcast. Don't forget to visit gatewaychurchdoncaster.org.uk.